0: Would you turn with me to Romans chapter 8, please? Depending on how God leads me, I intend to do two weeks on this subject because I feel it's needed. Um, It's good to see those who are recent bereavement this week Dawson family specialis keep him in your prayers brother Gareth and his mother passed away this week also keep him in your prayers and his family and there's always there's always those who need the prayers of the saints and I would ask you to to please keep these people in your prayers Romans 8 please verse 1 Wonderful words here. Listen to this. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Will you let your eye run down please to verse 17. And if children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together let us pray father we thank you this morning as we gathered around this table we were reminded of the blood of your son the blood of the lamb as we took of these emblems of reminded us of his broken body and of his precious shed blood as glenn administered around this table and spoke of the blood. We're grateful, Lord, that we can sing about the blood as the team led us in song about the blood of the Lamb. We thank you we can open your infallible, inspired, and forever settled word of God and read about the blood. Father, we thank you that it will always, always be there. It will always stand. We thank you, Lord, and we are grateful, those of us who know him, the Lord Jesus Christ. As our own Lord and personal Savior, we thank you, Lord, that we can say that we are washed in the blood. Our iniquities have been purged. Our sins have been forgiven. And we're clean and we are righteous in Christ. Lord, we're grateful this morning. The Spirit answers to the blood. The Spirit answers to the blood. The Spirit answers to the blood and tells me, I am born of God. Thank you this morning, Lord, that we're born of the Spirit. We're washed in the blood. You paid a great price. We're not our own but we belong to you. Thank you, Lord, for all you've done. And so we pray, Father, the rest of this morning and this message would be to the glory of Christ, to the exaltation of your Son. May thy name be lifted up. and may be glory in nothing but the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, Lord, for those who are feeling weak, in faith, in spirit, in mind. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to them, those who feel there's no forgiveness after feelings. There's no hope after falling. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. We'll thank you for your mercy. And we rest on the blood of Christ. Let them see it this morning, Lord. That you love them with an everlasting love. And that the blood of the Lamb still avails for sinners and for saints alike. Glorify him for Jesus' sake, I pray and ask it. Amen. Amen. I want to speak at least this morning, possibly for two mornings, uh, on the subject of the believer's journey. From salvation to glorification, the believer's journey from salvation to glorification. There's going to be a lot of scripture, but we'll take our time and we'll we'll divide it and show you. You know, we think of how in Romans chapter 8, it starts off with no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Notice, no condemnation. And then at the end, almost at the end, as it were, of chapter 8, if you let your eye run down. First of all, if you let your eye run down to verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate. There's the word twice. A double witness shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It starts off with no condemnation and it finishes the chapter with no separation. No condemnation. Ah, but someone says in verse one, it says, who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And that's what we want to minister about this morning. For example, if all of us were to say then there's no condemnation, but uh, we are going to walk in the spirit at some point in time in the day never mind in the week or month you will be in the flesh fleshy mind fleshy thinking all of us every single one of us including this man feel God sin in word, in deed in action, in speech whatever way it may be some manifest it more than others some are good at hiding it some are well dressed and they're nice off their on and their suit, their shirt, their tie uh, and you know their nice shoes and whatever else they wear or their dress or whatever but nevertheless inside is still a fleshy man and on the other side a fleshy woman and it's the battle that goes on from salvation when we're saved to glorification when Christ comes again The idea who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit is not whenever you fall then you're not in Christ or whenever you fall you'll never be forgiven or whenever you fall you're, you're going to be condemned for it by the Lord. That's not what it means. The idea here in the original text is those who continually, habitually walk in the flesh. In other words... There there seems to be no spiritual leading, no spiritual drive or unction with them. It's all, they're men and women of flesh. That is, the, the flesh becomes that which drives them and that is the realm, the area, the lifestyle they live in and lead continually while claiming or professing Christ. But those of us who are saved, If we are in Christ Jesus, as verse 1 says, then we do fail, but we do not walk habitually and continually after the flesh. We do not walk to sin, but rather we live to live right and we follow after Christ. So are you going to fail? Are you going to sin? Will you ever let the Lord down? Absolutely. And you can start from today. Because that's who we are. We in CTR we, we, we believe in the reform principles of the scripture, but it means you're reformed in the thinking of the scripture, but we are continually being reformed in person, and in our thinking, in our walk with the Lord. We're continually reforming when we see things in our life, and even through scripture, then we add our, our, that to us. We walk according to that way. Notice what Paul says here. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not continually after the flesh, but who walk continually after the Spirit. In other words, when we feel the Lord, we learn from the experience, we repent of it, and we get on and walk on in grace, trusting in the covering of the blood. If it wasn't for the grace of God, there's not one of us could stand. Not one of us. If it wasn't for the blood of Christ, not one of us would be cleansed. And if the blood avails, which it does for us today, then we must trust in that. But you don't know how much I have failed This week or whatever, last week or even last night. Listen, I don't need to know. Unless you're a a, a danger to yourself or a danger to someone else, I don't need to know. If you're a danger to someone, then I need to know. I don't need to know because it's between you and God. I am not your priest. I cannot forgive sins, neither can a priest. But we go to the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Take note of this, brothers and sisters. In the first three verses which we read, and we will refer to more in a moment, first of all, at the end of verse 3, you can write there, salvation. Salvation. Notice in verse 3, for what the law could not do, we're going to look at this, in that it was weak through the flesh. That is your flesh and mine, not the flesh of Christ. And that it was weak through the flesh. Notice God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Would you say likeness? You see it's in a likeness of sinful flesh. In other words he took on the nature of Adam. He took on from the seed of Abraham. That is he, he came from Abraham's loins. He was sinless. Not sinful flesh. The likeness. Of sinful flesh. And hence he defeated this for us. Notice what it says God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, you and I, before we are saved, speaking to this as generally believers on a Sunday morning here, but uh, this will uh, be for those who are not saved as well. If you're not saved, you're under condemnation already. But if you're saved, you're not under condemnation. And when you and I got saved, we stepped from condemnation to justification. From condemnation to justification. We were condemned in our sin, and then we stepped into justification in Christ We are just as if we had never sinned. And I don't want to preach my message I'm preaching tonight, but these are some more points I'm going to speak on and open up a little bit more this evening, God willing. But we're going to see from salvation of verse 3, look at verse 17. At the end of verse 17, you can write glorification. Glorification. And if children, notice if children. There's the clause. You're in Christ. Are you in Christ in verse 1? It's those who are in Christ. And then it comes to verse 17. If children or censured children. Then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him. That we may also be glorified together. There is your glorification. So there's a journey From verse 3 to verse 17. And it's let out for us. In between these verses. And that's what we want to look at God willing this morning. First of all let's look at verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Has made me free from the law of sin. And death. So people tend to think. Well, the law, it's bad. The law of God is no good. Listen, Psalm 19 and verse 7 tells us this, that the law of the Lord is perfect. There's nothing wrong with the law of God. It's perfect converting the soul. The law of God is perfect. There's nothing wrong with God's law. Do you know where the problem lies? With you and I. And Paul tells us, As he says in verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. What Paul is saying here is the law couldn't save you because you couldn't keep the law. The law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. If I can remember, say converting. Not converting here is it's the word, a Hebrew word. Shuv. Shuv. And it gives the idea to return. To come back again. To return. To come back again. Uh, this, if my memory is right, in Genesis 8 and verse 9, I think it's verse 9, when Noah. Is sending forth. Remember the raven at the flood? Glenn mentioned it this morning. And they're in the ark and he sends the raven out. And it says the raven goes to and fro. Many think that it means the raven went out, being an unclean bird. And what did it do? It hopped from floating bodies. Do you ever think of that? There were thousands of floating bodies. What about all the animals and the people that died? Their bodies swell up and they start to float. And so they're feeding on the carcasses. Many animals. What way did Noah put the animals into the ark? Two by two? Was it two by two? Yes. But it was also seven by seven. Did you know that? The clean animals. The ones for eating, which God says you can eat of these, these are clean. And those which he says they are in the codified law, those are unclean like the raven. They were two by two. You check it out. The unclean was two by two, but the clean was seven by seven. You know why? Because what if you have two sheep and you kill one? Where's the rest of them coming from? Or if you eat one, what are you going to do? How are you going to populate with two sheep or one sheep's left? Do you ever think of that? No, it has a sacrifice when he comes off the ark. I'm going off topic here. Give me a second. has a sacrifice when he comes off the ark. What if he sacrifices a sheep and there's only one left? Do you ever think of that? Because the clean animals for sacrifice and for eating went on the ark seven by seven. Read it up. Seven by seven. For food... And for sacrifice. It was the unclean animals that went in two by two. Because they wouldn't be sacrificed and they wouldn't be eaten. So go back to Genesis and start reading again. And see what it says. Notice here this word shrew. Remember the, the, the raven goes out it says it comes to and fro. It's an unclean animal. But when he sends the dove out in Genesis 8. I think it's in verse 9. Someone can check it up and let me know. It says he sends the, the dove out. The raven is out and it's jumping about as it were. Comes to and fro. But the dove goes, finds no place for its foot. It won't land on an unclean body. It doesn't land anywhere. And it turns and comes back again. And it says Noah puts out his hand. It returns to him and he takes it. Notice, to his breast. This little dove. You read that up. It's a difference. And hence you see in the unclean, the picture of those who are not God's people. They'll come and go. They might even come and try and use God when they think they want him, but they'll be away and they'll hop upon all unclean living and life. But the dove, representative of God's people, Noah takes it and brings it back into his breast again. And the word the dove returns is the same word, shuv, I think I pronounced it right, shuv, which in Psalm 19 and verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul means the law of the Lord turns the soul back to God. Make sense to you? Like the dove returning? Converts the soul. So hence when Israel read when you and I would read when the unsaved out there. That's why the Ten Commandments should be in every school and every university. That's why the Ten Commandments should be in town halls. That's why it should be in, in, all over the place. Because it reminds us that we are unjust before God and we're sinners in his presence. And what does it do? It's perfect and it makes us think. I'm not right. See, when they're not there, that's why they're trying to get them away from society. That's why they're trying to do away with it all. And when they're not there, what happens? Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. But if he brings someone the moral code, the moral law of the Ten Commandments, what happens? Makes them start to think, I'm not saved. I'm not right. And it causes their mind, even for that second of reading, to turn to God. To think of God, and then they get aggressive and wrong. or they come and repent. And the Lord, like the dove, gets out his hand as it were, and he takes him into his breast. That was a bit of a rabbit hole we went on this morning, wasn't it? And that's what the Lord has done with us. And hence, when we are saved. Romans 8 and 3 is a salvation in Christ, the Son of God, through His blood, trusting, repenting in Him. When we are saved to, from salvation to the, our journey, whether, uh, whether it be uh, the Lord comes today or comes another, uh, uh, another hundred years, I don't know, but to this moment of glorification is when He returns and we receive a glorified body. That period of time is you and I where we grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, where we learn the word of God, we learn to live by the word of God and then uh, during this time we live according to that word and we grow in him. We start to serve. We start to walk before him. The things we used to do, we don't do. And the feelings that we have, and you may have it once or twice or whatever, you start to get stronger against that of the flesh. And you don't walk in it in a habitual way, but rather you start to walk according to the Spirit and the Word. So there's your life as a Christian from salvation to glorification. It's all in this chapter and even more. And the next two Sundays, we're going to go into it a little bit more. Notice this. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 says, To everything there is a season and a time, to every purpose under the heaven. And then in verse 2 it says, a time to be born and a time to die. So here's our birth date, and then we have our life, and then we have our death date, which we don't know it. We haven't arrived there yet. In this is our life, how we live our life, walk according to life, and it's whether we then are saved or not in our life. So you have here a time to be born, our birth of the flesh, and a time to die. Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 and beginning the verse 2. But in this moment of time, if we're saved, we enter into the born again salvation stage. So you're born twice. Born of the flesh, then born of the spirit. Born into Adam and in sin born into Christ and saved, born again. And it's the life that we live, we still have our flesh, time to be born and a time to die, still have our bodies, still have our lusts, still have our loves. We still have the old man, we still have the old woman, but when we're born again, we have the Spirit of God to give us the power, the ability to walk before God. And hence Paul brings us to a war a battle a continuous war sometimes it eases off and we do better than others so we see salvation in the son of god the lord jesus and listen it says this in verse three please for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh So the law was perfect, converting the soul, turning us toward God, but our flesh is weak and fails. That's what Paul's saying here. We can't keep it. We're we're weak. But when we are saved, it's written in our hearts. And so the Lord keeps reminding us in, in ways to remember this, to walk according to this. Notice, weak through the flesh, God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Notice, and for sin, condemned sin, in the flesh. So here's the thing, brothers and sisters. The law of God could not defeat your sin and mine. The law of God could not defeat your sin, only detect your sin. It's a schoolmaster, Paul tells us. To bring us on to Christ. So the law of God doesn't defeat sin. Rather it points our sin out. Points our weakness out. Points our failure out. Points our inabilities out. The law is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Here is the standard. And God says, you want heaven? You want my glory? Here's my standard. And you and I think, well sure that's easy enough. Only going on the ten moral commandments. That's easy enough, is it? And he comes and says, Well, is it? Then let's look at it for a moment. Thou shalt have. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. You know, so, do we love him at all times, in all seasons, and on all occasions, above everything else, before everything else, and through everything else? Is that what we do when we're sleeping? Are we still loving him with everything we have? Sure, you could have a dream and it could be whatever. It could be the worst of worst dreams. You get up and you say, what sort of a dream is that? What am I thinking? I'm just being real, aren't I, this morning? That's what happens, I'm being real. So we've already broken the first commandment. Then we can go into, I shall have no graven image and make no graven image before me. And listen, while graven images are being made in the likeness so-called of God, man's likeness of him, And many bow down to that. We also have images in our head of who God is. In other words, what we think we want God to be. I want to say it again. We have it what we think we want God to be. And you know what that does? That turns God to be not God, but you to be God. Because you're making him who you want your God to be, which means he's ungodded, and you become the God of it. That's our mindset. We have gods in in different things of of popularity. Uh, We have the gods of of work. We have gods of money. We have the gods of of our own thinking and our own making and, and our own life. And it's who we want God to be. And we fool ourselves to say, well, this is who I want God to be. I don't think God would do that. And that's what society does. If there's a God, he wouldn't do it like this. If there's a God, he wouldn't expect that. So they have formed an idol in their mind. And God says, that's not me. And you've formed an idol. In fact, you have made me lower than the creature. And you have become the creator. Because you have created something in your, in your mind and in your heart that I am not. And we could go on. I shall not kill or do no murder. And yet we, 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 we see murder, whether it's in the abortion clinics or out on the streets. No matter who it is and where someone's from. I don't care what their religion is or whatever. And it's someone to lift a gun and go out and shoot a man or bomb someone. It's murder. Don't care who they are or where they're from. what side of the community? To do this on innocent people is murder. And yet Jesus comes along and he says that if you even lust in your heart over someone, you're an adulterer. It's even lost in your heart. So what he does is he says, you think that's bad because, well, I haven't pulled the trigger, I haven't planted a bomb, I haven't lifted a club and went and beat somebody over the head and and murdered them, and that's all good and I hope you don't ever do that. But Jesus comes along and he says, if you hate your brother, your sister without cause, you're a murderer at heart. That's how God sees it. If, If you If you lust after someone, you're an adulterer at heart. If you think even wrongly of who God is according to who you want them to be, then you're an idolater at heart. And And Jesus says, look, here's the law. You think you might be able to keep it, but you're even worse than you think or believe you are. All of us were even worse. And this was sin, and it condemned us. Condemned us. No matter how good you were, no matter how churchy you were, no matter what denomination you went to, no matter what you tried to do, no matter what any of it, all of us were sinners. And Paul says, "For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God." Or all have missed the mark. Each and every one of us, this man included. And the Lord says, "You're even worse than you think you are." It condemns us. It condemns us. Notice. So Paul says this. That we are still fleshy men and women. We still feel. We still use our tongues when we shouldn't use our tongues. And say things we shouldn't say. And do things we shouldn't do. Our flesh takes over. And we live in the flesh. Of course we have to. We're in bodies at the moment. But we let it drive us to certain things that we shouldn't. And Paul says we're all condemned for this. But if you're in Christ and you're not habitually, continually walking in this, but you're striving after the Spirit, you're striving after the things of God, he says, listen, then God's grace abounds over your sin. Repentance brings you life. Forgiveness. The blood still avails for us and cleanses us. And hence Paul says in verse 3, In the end of it, he says that Christ comes in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, that which condemned you and that which condemns me, Christ came in the likeness of it. He never sinned. He was yet without sin. He knew no sin. He did no sin. He was the sinless, spotless lamb of God. He is the impeccable son of the father. And this is what he says. He came to condemn that which was condemning you. He came to condemn that, brothers and sisters, which was condemning you and condemning me. I had much to be condemned over, and so had you. And hence, we must keep reforming, and in our minds, transforming, according to the word of God. this is not to condemn people because we're all measured with the same yard brush here we're all got the same canonized measurement all of us doesn't matter who you are or where you came from we're all under this intense deep condemnation Under the wrath of the Father yet to be poured out. That's where the unsaved are today. But if you're in Christ. If you're in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have failed him this week. Yeah. Join the club. I have, I have failed. I went terribly wrong. And listen, maybe you went terribly wrong more than other people do. But I can tell you something. Grace of God abounds over repent, trust in the grace and the blood of Christ, and get on with it. Walk on with Him. I know there are certain places and certain people who would just want you condemned so much that even as a Christian, You feel that you can't. You're so unworthy that you've let the Lord down so much that there's no return for you. Listen, brothers and sisters, there's only one that was ever perfect. And it was Christ himself. Please don't get me wrong. Please. I want it to be noted in your heart and in your mind this morning before we wrap this up for this morning. Please do not get me wrong. I am not condoning and saying uh, condoning people to sin and walk in sin. You know I'm not doing that. Rather, I'm trying to help you out of it, to overcome it, and to walk in Christ. Yeah. Listen, could be a sin of thought, sin of omission, and a sin of commission. Could be a sin of the flesh. Could be a sexual sin. Could be any sort of sin. Just ramming some off. Anything. There's probably a amount of them we don't even know. And we're reading, we're praying, and we're falling. We're falling. Here's what happens: Many people, because maybe other Christians or other places, may condemn you to the point where you know what? You might as well go into the world because. God will never accept you now. You might as well go and do what you want because God's finished with you. Now maybe that's their heart, but I'm going to tell you something. In my experience, in my life, and what I see in the word of God, God has made provision for he paid for my sin and he paid for it in his fullness. And his grace, his grace abounds over it. And I'm on my knees or you're on your knees and you're repenting of your sin. You repent, you get up and you move on and leave it behind you. Leave it behind you, brothers and sisters, because if you don't, it will destroy you. So Romans 8 and verse 1 talks of no condemnation, And finishes with no separation. It tells us of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That in our salvation God sending his own son. There is the first coming of Christ born at Bethlehem. And then in verse 17. That speaks of his second coming. And our glorification when our bodies will be changed. To be like unto his own glorious body. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians please chapter 15 we'll maybe come back here again somewhere some point next next Lord's Day God willing this sin that uh, is in our mortal members Here's th- we are you and I who are in Christ you and I who are saved who, who are trusting in the blood of Christ In ourselves, we're not sinlessly perfect, but before God, we're perfectly sinless. I want to say it to you again. In ourselves, according to ourselves, in our flesh, we're not sinlessly perfect. But according to being under the blood and the grace of God, we are perfectly sinless. You know why? Because he sees us through the medium of the cross. He sees us through the medium of the Lamb of God. He sees us through the medium of the blood of his Son. We're trusting in him and in him alone. And God looks at us in all of it. And yes, we say, Father, I've failed. I've let you down. I've sinned and i It's like the dove I'm returning unto you. Your law says that's written in my heart now your law is written in my heart and I know by your spirit in me he shows me that I've let you down that I've failed and sinned before you but he tells me of the word notice what it says here let your eye run down to verse 54 so then this corruptible Paul speaking of his body speaking of your body and my body this corruptible shall have put on corruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought the past the saying is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? Notice the sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is what? The law. The strength of this sin is the law. It's Holy and perfect it 's completely holy and perfect, forever settled in heaven, and hence when it 's it's, it's before us, it shows us in our flesh, yes, we have it 's written in our hearts as believers, and the spirit of God he shows us it. Paul writes, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. once said again. Paul writes, "For the law was our schoolmaster to bring us on to Christ." But you say schoolmaster? Now, the word schoolmaster is a big, long Greek word. It's the word pedagous, pedagous, and it's where we get the word pediatrics from. It gives the idea of a, of a child, and generally, it was on a, a better, uh, It was used for a, a more well-to-do family. And they brought in someone like we would call them a childminder or a nanny or whatever, but they knew the law. And what the Hebrews done, they brought them in, and maybe they had to go working, and this person reared them up. In other words, they, they fed them properly, they made sure they were well, they, they made sure they were protected, uh, they looked after them, but then all of a sudden they start to walk, and as they're walking, maybe they're going to go to school, for example. And all that they, they would have been continuously going, This is how you walk, this is how you talk, this is what is right, and this is what is wrong, and this is this and this is that and this is the other and they were rearing them up as they grew, the piadogus they were called. And Paul takes that word and he says, The law of God is our Piadogus. In other words, the law says, Here you are, here you are, it's like this is like X, this like that, it's like the other thing. And we're going, Oh, how are we ever going to do this? You're meant to be growing in this. You're meant to be walking in this. And we're failing at it. And Christ comes and says, I'll keep it. I'll do it. And what does it do? The, the, the law is our schoolmaster, our P.I., the which brings us on to Christ. We can't do this. I mean, even if it's, it's worse than we think, it's harder than we think, even our thought life, our idols, our our thoughts of, of someone in a sexual manner is adultery and, and all of these things a hatred for someone is a murder in our heart and, and if we even realize that we'd be crying for mercy and saying there's no hope for me in glory there's none and listen there was none her absolutely none and the law was saying here this is how you're meant to live this is what you're meant to do. Here's how you're meant to grow, and we can't, but what does it do? It turns us. It's perfect, converting the soul, the shoes, like the dove being brought into Noah's breast, returning to the ark and being brought in. And the Father says, "You're like a sheep going astray, son, daughter, and he brings us back in. Hi, He sends Christ. It turns us to Jesus. It turns us to the Lamb of God, it turns us to the cross. it shows us the blood. It's kept for you, it's done for you, and here's when it's kept for you and done for you through the Lord Jesus Christ, we realize we repent of all of that the Pi ghost has shown us our schoolmaster, the law of God, and we say, Lord, Lord, we're sorry, we repent and we turn from those things to face the Lord, and we are washed in the blood. Paul is saying that in Romans eight. Paul is saying, here in, also in 1 Corinthians 15, the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. Now, do you get it, what he's saying? You understand that? Do you get it, what he's saying? Notice the next verse. turns us to Christ. But thanks be to God, which giveth us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, that sting of death, it claims us. the law shows sin sin brings forth death not that everybody because they've passed away they're a great sinner's because it's from Adam's genes but we have the victory brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and hence whether you go to the grave or whether we're alive it is coming the glorification will come the glory of God will be shown in us. And Paul tells us that this mortal shall put on immortality. Verse 51. We show you a mystery. Not all shall sleep, that is, and die. But we shall all be changed. Those who have died in Christ will be resurrected and changed. It's not that Christ appears secretly and all this sort of stuff. Listen, it means he is. It means that we are. They say, well, it happens in the moment. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say that. The scripture says we shall be changed in a moment. Read the scripture. It doesn't say that. It says we shall be changed in the moment. Christ will come and the dead and Christ will rise first. And many which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. It says here, but we shall be changed in the moment. That's our glorification. Changed in the moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then Paul shows us our victory in the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's where we'll start next week, God willing. When a soul is saved, S-A-V-E-D, it's a biblical word, it's a word that we know. When a soul is saved, saved by grace in Christ, they are, first of all, free from the penalty of sin. Would you say the penalty of sin? When you got saved, you were freed from the penalty of sin. You'll not stand at the judgment seat to answer for your sin. So would you say, I'm free from the penalty of sin? That's when you're saved. And then we're going to look at the the journey of the believer to glorification. So when salvation is that we're saved from the penalty of sin, or we're free from the penalty of sin, and now we're free from the power of sin because the Lord lives in us. Will you say I'm free from the power of sin? And because when we do sin, it has no power over us, we can repent of it and move on in grace. Does that make sense to you? So you're free from the penalty of sin, you're free from the power of sin and when christ returns and glorifies us you will be free from the presence of sin you'll not have your old body anymore you will not have the old man and the old woman or for those who don't understand old, it's old <laughs> with quite a lot of our american and canadians might not understand that one who watches us and it means all is old And I'm not going to have the old body, and you won't have your old body either. You're not going to have your old aches and pains. You're not going to have your old diabetes, and you're not going to have old tumours and old cancer and old rottenness because He's going to to change it in a moment. You're not going to have anything, anything at all, that will separate between you and God. There's nothing can separate us from the love of God. So, when Christ returns. You'll be free from the presence, your own body, the presence of sin. Even in the world, free from the presence. So here's the last one. When you say, I'm free from the presence of sin. That's when Christ returns. God willing, we'll start there next week and see where the Lord will lead us. We'll get into the journey more, the nitty gritty of stuff, and see where the Lord takes us. I enjoyed writing this during the week. I enjoyed just refreshing myself on it and studying in it. And I just, I just fall in every time I study, I just fall in love with Christ all over again. Every time, every time I open the scriptures and I, I get down at the desk and I'm just either writing or sometimes I'm sitting thinking and I don't know what to do. I don't even know what to write. I put pen to paper. i just start praying and it just comes to me or i've already had it in my head And as soon as i start writing and some of these truths just come out and refresh me again i just say oh lord you're absolutely amazing he's absolutely wonderful he is my everything he is my all